the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Welcome to the Free Indeed Podcast, where we believe in freedom, reaching everyone, everywhere. Here's your host, Mike Hansen. Welcome back to the Free Indeed Podcast. I'm your host, once again, Mike Hansen, and good to see you again, Kirk. Good to be seen. Good to be seen, man. I'm glad to be here. We are glad to be back together. We're going to continue our conversation. This is going to be part three. I don't know that there'll be a part four, but we just never know where these conversations go. Uh, we are going to continue talking about the armor of God. If you remember last time, we were in Ephesians 6. This is a really important part of our freedom. And we talked a lot about, about, a lot about getting to the point of being offensive. And the armor of God is offensive in the context of what we're trying to do with free indeed. And so here in Ephesians 6, chapter uh, verse 16 says, In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish with all the flaming arrows of the evil one. That's where we just came from. Verse 17 is, Take the helmet of salvation. That's the next weapon in this armor of being offensive. Kirk, let's continue the conversation, and what do you have to say about the helmet of salvation when it comes to finding our freedom? Well, most people, first of all, think that how can a helmet be offensive? Like, how can I have something on my dome uh, that can be an offensive weapon or something that I can use um, on the offensive side of the ball? And, uh, you know, I'm one of those... (laughs) I, I like those the the really graphic gladiator movies, man. Don't judge me, all right? Don't judge me. Too late. Um, too late, yeah. But I, I love those gladiator movies, and and uh, and sometimes in life we find ourselves, you know, with the enemy having us in a bear hug, and and having us where we can't use our arms, we can't use our legs. And you know, if you ever seen any one of those movies, you know that you know when those gladiators come out of the tunnel, most of them are wearing some kind of a headgear. Um, and that headgear can be used, if nothing else, not only to protect, but also to headbutt an enemy or to, uh, you know, to, to be used when, when you can't raise your hands, when you can't move your feet, when you can't bend your knees, when you can't reach out. That, 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 that helmet of salvation, specifically that helmet, can be used as offensive in that kind of a way. So I just, um, you know, I, I like to think of it in terms of, when I can't do anything else, I still got my head, man. And, and, and you know, where the head goes, you know, where, where the head goes, man, the, the rest of the body flows. I just made that up on the spot. You I like, like that? that? That's good. Yeah. Where the head goes, the rest of the body flows. So it's the helmet. It's not just any helmet. The, the writer here, Paul, says specifically it's the helmet of salvation. So why is it important to protect that when it comes to our battle for freedom? When you have that helmet of salvation, man, I mean, that, and, and it being specific of, I mean, salvation being attributed to that helmet because that salvation covers our thoughts. It covers our eyes. It covers our, our mouth. It covers the, 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 the brain, the prefrontal cortex, the, the, the hippocampus, the limbic system. It covers all of those things, man. And so when we allow the salvation, when we allow knowing that we have been saved, knowing that we have been redeemed, knowing that we have been, uh, you know, that we have been saved, 
And we filter everything else through that. We filter everything else through the knowledge of that, the knowledge of our, of our salvation and the covering of, of our salvation. Then that in itself is protection that allows us to be offensive. But, but having, having our salvation cover our head, our eyes, our ears, our mouth and, and operating through that helmet, uh, is, is extremely powerful, man. And so having that be, you know, having salvation be the kind of the, 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 the metaphor that we use in that is extremely important because of everything that is protecting in our head. And, and, you know, most of our senses flow through our head. Well, all of our senses flow through our head in terms of our brain, but, you know, but, uh, all of our senses reside in our head. We don't hear through or see or taste through our hands or through our feet, or any, any other part of our body. But all of our senses, I'm just talking off the top of my head, so I'm hoping I'm not forgetting nothing. But all of our senses flow through our head at some point, um, and our head represents all of our senses. And so when we, do, uh, when we do have that salvation covering that, man, we're covering all of the way that we, that we sense the world, all the, way that, the ways that we experience the world. So it is a protection of what's inside of us, uh, you and I went to a retreat, uh, not the same time. They measured the distance from our head to our heart. And in our head is knowledge. In our heart is how we feel, the intuitive side of us. And I wonder if you could speak to how important is it to just know you're saved, to know that there is a salvation that is fairly objective. It's not necessarily subjective. and It is. There's another topic there, but... Do you understand what I'm saying? And how yeah. is that important yeah. to our freedom? Yeah, and knowing is important. That knowing, that's the identity, man. That's the identity of who we are and, and what we what we have. And when you know your identity, then you act in in accordance with that identity. So knowing that is very important. Having that knowledge of <clears throat> of man, I am not just me doing this thing, man. I am I am with God. God is with me. Uh, in, in mind, body, and spirit, in every kind of way, man. But, but, uh, but having that, that knowledge, that identity, you know, and specifically, you know, in terms of our purpose, in terms of the way we live our lives, a lot of times we struggle with, with the thoughts of our heads. But to be able to have a thought in your head as far as your identity and your purpose, and then have that travel the 18 inches down to your heart, in terms of your thought and your purpose, and then have that travel the additional two or three feet down to your hands as far as your identity and your purpose. Now you are fully aligned with your head, your heart, and your hands in in terms of who you are and what you are and who you are, who you believe you are dictates what you do. Uh, You know, I I like to say, you know, the, the Queen of England doesn't touch a door handle not because she can't, but because she's the Queen and she doesn't. And so when you know who you are, what you do naturally flows out of that. And so when we get our identity down, when we get our identity intact in line, then everything else flows out of that. And so the knowledge of our salvation and having that cover everything in our head really, to me, comes down to the identity and to understanding, wait a minute, I don't do certain things because of who I am, or I do certain things because of who I am, or I can do certain things because of who I am, or I can do all things. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Yep. I can do all things because of who I am and because of whose I am. Not about me in terms of just, you know, the me, 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 I love me some me, but I'm talking about, you know, the the identity of 
I, I know my my place. I know my worth, my value. I know whose I am, and therefore I know who I am. And operating out of that knowledge is important. Yeah, there's a there's a knowledge that's there, and as human beings, we're going to forget that sometimes. I know with my own journey, it's not that I fear that I'm not saved. It's that I fear I'm looked at differently. Uh, and when I fail, that's, that's where the challenge comes in. And I've, I have had to, I have had to reread on black and white in black and white in the Bible that says, you're still my son. Uh, I still forgive you. And that kind of is to me where the, where it comes into, uh, this freedom journey. I'm trying to understand where salvation has come to me and it's still mine and it's always available and I'm just thinking or wondering, have you had that struggle since since your freedom has started? Is that something that's come to you? Yeah, man. I mean, we're we're you know we're we're saved by the shed blood of Jesus. I mean, we're saved. That's our salvation. And so you know, now as humans, we have a way of attributing humanistic values and traits to a to to a God that 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 transcends humanity. And so we say we we quite often we see God's love as conditional and we see God's love as performance based because that's how we are as people. We can be conditional. Most, I mean, generally speaking, humanistic love is, is very heavily conditional. And so we see it as conditional and, and we think that my performance has something to do with God's love for me. But I mean, that therein lies the, the cognitive dissonance of, you can't go I mean, the price that Jesus paid for us, for you and for me, the price that was paid on the on the cross. That was too great a cost for him to just turn our back on us and for him to just see us through a conditional lens. And so knowing and this goes right back to knowing that salvation and having that level of understanding of our salvation, you know, because quite often when we stumble or when we struggle with things or when we have habits or addictions in our life that 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 sometimes lead to us doing things that we don't like to do, quite often we struggle with that. And, and that opens the door to us experiencing shame and, and experiencing guilt and all those kinds of things. And personally, I think guilt can be healthy. I think guilt can be healthy because quite often guilt drives us to change and guilt is a feeling. Our feelings are what, what, what we have to let us know that something on the inside of us doesn't agree with something on the outside of us. So I don't think a feeling is necessarily bad. Now, the problem is when we allow that feeling to turn into an identity and we allow guilt to turn into shame, shame is an identity. Shame is an identity that drives us to that dark cave that says, ah, you know, I hate myself. I am this and I'm that. And we talk down about ourselves. We can't look in the mirror and love who we see and all that because of the shame. And so that's what happens when we get caught in traps and addictions, specifically with pornography, because that, I mean, it's, it's such an oppressive spirit. It's such a slavery kind of spirit that, that it, it can take over your identity and so all of that wraps right back to when I know who or what my identity is, I don't act like a slave when I'm free. When I know I'm free and when I know that my identity is in freedom and when I have freedom in Christ, then I don't act like a slave in my life because I know my identity. I know my identity because of the helmet of my of salvation that's covering my head. 
and covering my thoughts, covering my identity, my worth, my value, my knowledge, my lens, the way I see things, my filter, the way I see the world, the way I experience the world, all that kind of stuff. It goes right back to the knowledge of me being saved and me being saved through Christ. Definitely. You know, but when you watch football, specifically professional football, there's always, in referencing the the helmets, there's always one person on the field with a green dot on the back of the helmet. What's that green dot for? That's a great question, man. I'm so glad you asked. The one person on the field with that green dot actually has speakers in their helmet, and those speakers in their helmet represent uh, communication, at least one-way communication, with either the coach on the sidelines or the coach in the box. And the, the connection is when you have that helmet of salvation on, now that you are saved and saved by Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And, and not only is God kind of around you and over you and that, but God is also in you. So you are then having access to the coach on the sidelines, to the coach. If I, you know, I'm air quotes, the coach in the box or the coach on the sidelines that has a different view or a different viewpoint or vantage point than you do. And so with that helmet of salvation also comes access to a good and a greater God that can then speak to you through that helmet of salvation and actually uh, give you insight, give you perspective, give you encouragement, give you motivation, give you wisdom. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that, that are very uh, so-called smart out there, very wise, and, and wisdom is not necessarily something you can get out of a book. A lot of times wisdom comes through application, and, and a lot of times wisdom just comes through just a divine a divine gift, I believe. So, so having that, that helmet of salvation is kind of like having that helmet with the green dot on the football field where now that helmet, uh, now that you're, you're, you're in and under God and God is in you, you actually have access to someone, something, uh, communication wise that has a totally higher, bigger and more in depth, uh, perception than you do. So this is something I really think is important when it comes to, freedom from pornography, there is definitely behaviors we want to encourage. And we, we have a system that helps encourage good behavior when it comes to building a, a positive life. But when it comes to freedom from pornography, uh, knowing that you are loved by a father, in other words, that salvation, what difference has that made for you? Because I imagine before you got to this place of this journey of freedom with free indeed that you built here a few years ago, you tried, tried again. And you, I don't remember what we shared in previous episodes, but your part of your story is you had a moment where you, you had to come to terms with who God was for you. And you had to realize, or at least had to make a decision that was God for me or not. Yeah. You know, what question were you asking yourself at that moment? Yeah, I, I, I really got to the point in terms of, again, the, the guilt leading to the shame, such deep shame that I hated myself. I hated who I looked at in the mirror, and I hated, you know, not only what I saw, but who I saw. And, and that drove me personally so deep that I actually questioned whether or not God could love somebody like me and whether or not God does love somebody like me. Now, I got saved when I was 12, so it wasn't a matter of salvation, but it is possible to be saved, but not free. Those are two mutually exclusive things. You can be saved, but not free in terms of your life. 
Now, it is for freedom that Christ set us free, and he tells us in Galatians 5, want to stand firm and don't let ourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I said that pretty quick, man. That makes me sound really smart and theological. Oh, I know. You must have repeated um, it a I few times. I must have repeated that somewhere. But, uh, but, you know, having salvation and not having freedom can be frustrating because the kind of the, it was for freedom. So the, the inherent intent of our salvation is so that we can be free. And, and we are supposed to be freedom in Christ. And where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. And so, you know, so when you have one but not the other, man, it just creates, again, that cognitive dissonance, even from a spiritual perspective of I have something that I don't feel, that I don't perceive. And so I, for me, that drove me to sleeping in the back of my car, man, and 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 then really saying, man, if this is what life is, I don't want it anymore. I hate this life. I hated my life, and I hated uh, this, this challenge, this burden, I hated this, this trap, this struggle. And it drove me to the very end of the point where I just said, I don't want to live anymore. And sleeping in the back of my car one night, man, I began to plan my own suicide. And I was three and a half inches away from b- between my temple and a, and a hollow point 40 caliber round. I mean, I'm just being honest. And, and that's where I was. And so getting to the point where I hated myself that much, and getting to that rock bottom, and and I, I really, you know, that was a, you know, a if not the pivotal moment in my life because then I kind of, you know, it was one of those cry out conversations with God. God, you know, if you love me, you know, how can you, you know, how can you have me living like this? Like if you love me, and 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 I just really I crossed that bridge, man, and and that's where the fight or flight kicked in in terms of my mind and my spirit and that sort of stuff of okay I'm going to die like this is going to kill me if nothing changes and so my lack of identity my lack of freedom um and knowledge of my identity and and experience of my freedom drove me to the place of deep deep shame where I just didn't even want to live anymore and you know I essentially all but decided to end my life. And I I did a bunch of stuff, kind of people would have found out after the fact that I, you know, I kind of set up some Easter eggs, if you will, and that sort of thing. And so, I mean, I had, I had, I had planned it out pretty methodically. Um, but, but that's where that lack of, excuse me, that's where that lack of identity and lack of shame or complete shame really took me into that deep, dark place of not knowing and not having that experience through my helmet of salvation. So for for anybody listening to this, if this is something that you can relate to, just what Kirk was saying just now, and that is, I don't like myself, I hate myself, and I find my own identity to be something that I loathe. Kirk's journey, some of my journey, and I'm sure plenty of others, the journey is, you know, I found out that I am actually loved the fundamentals to salvation is, you know, I am unconditionally loved. Mm-hmm. And that identity comes from knowing that, not that you did the right thing or you're not doing the worst thing. Yeah. Um, it's a freedom to do what is right, and it's a freedom to obey God, but not from a place of guilt or shame, which, as you said earlier, isn't always a bad thing. But that doesn't fuel um, a long-term lifetime obedience and in a in a really truly joy there's no joy in trying to behave your way into being loved and that's definitely not the way god is um i think we've talked about the helmet of salvation here the the last one is the the most conspicuous one about the armor this isn't even a piece of armor this is a definitely an offensive weapon 
and you take this to new levels in the class. But we have, uh, and I'm not just talking about the class that from that night either, uh, the helmet of salvation, verse 17, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Mm. What do you have to say about the sword of the oh, Spirit man. when it comes to being offensive? Oh, yeah, that's the, most, that's the most offensive weapon in terms of, in, in the context of all that is the, if you, it, what we would picture as kind of the, the gladiator, you know, Paul's a Roman. I mean, I mean, in, I mean, he, he was, you know, speaking like in those times. And so the context of all of that was that picture of that guy, that gladiator looking guy. And so when you think of, when you think of, or at least when I watch movies with, you know, the Roman gladiators and, and all that sort of stuff. And they, you know, yeah, having that sword is kind of the, that's the obvious thing you use to attack your enemy, to go after your enemy and to, uh, and to be offensive in that battle. Now that sword can also be defensive because if, if the enemy is swinging at you with, with the end, with his sword, then you have yours to, to block and, 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 and also counterattack and that sort of thing. But, but specifically that sword itself, and I'm a sword kind of guy, man. I got, I got my four foot Braveheart sword on my wall, man, and I love taking it and uh, and and breaking it out on a, on a on a stage or an opportunity to speak in front of people. But I, I love that sword, and man, so having that sword, um, it, I mean, it, it is the most obvious offensive weapon. But at the same time, having that sword, that sword is a spiritual sword. But that sword is the word of God and being able to use that, you know, being able to use that in terms of, you know, when, when my enemy tells me you're terrible, man, you know, look at, look at everything you haven't done. I'm able to go back and use that word and actually, and I'm actually able to use that word as an offensive weapon. And that's what Jesus did when he was tempted by the devil, you know, by Satan, you know, I mean, every, every time, you know, every time the devil came to him with, you know, some sort of temptation, he went right back with the word as far as as far as the, the lash back at, at the devil. So having that sword, man, and having that sword be the word and the the word war, word is actually buried in the word sword. Um, ironically. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I, I'm just I just picture that in my head. And so, uh, sword. Yeah. And I mean, so when we use that sword and when we use that to our advantage, man, we have that. And so my, you know, my enemy, you know, can try and does often to tell me all the things that I'm not and all the things that I have been and all of the people I made cry and all of the, you know, the, 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 just the destruction that I've done in my life. I'm able to go back and I'm able to speak life and to speak life out of the word into my life and into that particular battle. But having that, that, um, that sword, that, that sword, that's the word, man, is, is, is key. And even from the context of word, you know, biblically speaking, there's, um, I don't know if there's more, but there's, you know, three even types of the word. You know, there's the graphe, which is, you know, kind of the letters and numbers, if you will. And that's where we get even part of the word pornography. That graphe is the, the documentation and porneo, porne is the documentation of, of prostitution. But so you have the, the graphe, then you have the logos or the logos, which is the, you know, which is kind of the, where we get the word logo. Which is kind of the, the, when you put letters and numbers together and they come up with an idea or a concept. And then you get the Rhema, which is the light bulb that comes on that says, aha, I get it. And so when you're able to combine the, the letters and numbers into the meaning and then the meaning into the revelation or into the aha. And when you're able to incorporate all three of those words, those types of word into your life, 
then it, it just gives you a weapon like man you like like you've never even had before but that's why that word is so is so important and it's so valuable and that's why that sword can be so potent of a weapon when it's used properly and offensively so when it comes to the the word and, and I guess I'm going to spe- be specific you know the bible mm-hmm. uh, in your journey what was something that really did help you as you began your freedom, your journey of freedom, and that you had to lean into a lot of, I I can make an assumption here, but I don't know. What, what's been one or two Bible verses that have really helped you? Man, I mean, obviously, you know, all my stuff ends in 36, so Johnny 36, so if the yeah, sun sets you a, free, yes. you'll be free indeed, hence, free indeed. That's where all that came from. Um, you know, and I actually... Not that I didn't I didn't come across that like the first time I ever read it, but that really that Rama hit me on an airplane coming back from Rwanda, actually coming from coming back from Africa several years ago on a mission trip, and it's I mean that just hit me a free indeed yes that's what I want to be I don't want to just be free I want to be free indeed and that's where the context of that comes from so yeah absolutely Johnny thirty six thirty six is kind of my swoosh. And I just, I, I, I love that if I, I don't have any tattoos, but if I were to get a tattoo, it'd be 36 somewhere, somehow, just cause that, that passage is, it just changes everything for me. So if the sun sets you free, if he sets you free, capital S sun back to identity, that lower S sun is not that that's a, a role or, or a position, but the capital S sun, which is in John eight thirty six, is actually a who it's actually a person. Lowercase sun is a what? So when that who sets you free, then you're not just free. You're absolutely free indeed. That has been, you know, I talked about a pivotal moment. That has been a pivotal, uh, a, a pivotal passage, a pivotal word uh, for me that that incorporates the graphe, the logos, and the and the um, and the rhema. That and then Galatians five one. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm and don't let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I mean that that's. That's pivotal as well. Romans 12, 1 and 12, 2. I mean, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I mean, you know, just just some pivotal things that that just kind of opened up the door of, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, when I looked, when I started to think of all the brain activity and all the brain implications and ramifications in terms of my my particular pornography struggle. And then when I see that that, you know, that that Paul said, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I mean, I needed to renew my mind, like renew my mind. And that word transformed, you know, in, in the original text, I'm really sounding really smart today, but that I'm only just bringing up the stuff that I know. Um, but that word transformed is kind of the word for metamorphosis, like a, like a butterfly, you know, from a caterpillar kind of thing. And so, you know, when you, when you allow that metamorphosis to happen in your life and in your mind, that's how you are transformed. I mean, that's where your transformation comes in. And so maybe it's not that you're not a butterfly. Maybe you're just a caterpillar that has yet to transform into a butterfly. But certain passages like that, man, have just been key and, and pivotal um, to not only to my personal life, but then even just what I try to pass on through through my gifts and my calling and, and my purpose specifically. And they've been able to help you remember where you came from uh, as you started this freedom journey. The free indeed is the is obviously the foundation to what we do here. It, it's not just a freedom. It's a free indeed. And, and Jesus was the one himself personally that put that emphasis on there. It's the, if the sun set you free, you're free indeed. And so we can talk about that in terms of uh, how important it is that Jesus said it, that 
somehow John recorded, it, you know, remembered it and wrote it down for us to to carry today. Any other uh, any other verses? Yeah, any well, actually, just even back to the whole free indeed notion, man. The, you know, it's possible to be to be free, but not free indeed in terms of a struggle or in terms of a challenge, an addiction, a habit, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of people, you know, there's a difference between abstinence and freedom. There's a difference, just like there's a difference between um, starving and fasting. (laughs) I mean, you can just not eat. Like I didn't eat lunch today, but I wasn't fasting. But in, in, in actuality, you know, they're kind of the same thing, but totally different. And so with, you know, with being free and free indeed, you can be free, but not free indeed, because you can be free from something and living defensive. You can be free from something and just trying to white knuckle your way through life or through through whatever that challenge is and all that kind of stuff. And when you do that, in my experience, all you're doing is counting the days until the next time you screw up. Mm. And that's why I don't even do the whole how many days and how many years, how many months you have. I don't do that chip thing. And I don't I just personally I just I just don't want to flash back to the last time I messed up. The last time I failed. So I can tell you, you know, about what, you know, month or year. And I can, I can tell you, you know, spring of 2010 ish, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep track of how many days. And so I'm not, I'm not free in terms of, I'm just not doing it. I'm free indeed in that I'm not doing it, but I'm also offensive in going after it. It came after me for 30 years. Now it's time for me to turn the tables and come after it. Now the, the prey has become the predator. And so now I am going offensive and the whole context of everything we're talking about is being offensive. So now I'm going offensive. And so when you are able to flip the tables around and when you're able to go offensive in the thing that used to make you defensive or that thing that used to make you a victim, totally different mindset, totally different mindset. Harriet Tubman was a slave. She escaped slavery like a lot of people did into freedom. She escaped her plantation and her master's hold into free territory, and she was a a free person just by where she lived. But for her, that wasn't enough. For her, that, that, that would have been just free. For her, free indeed was going back into slave territory, finding other people that are slaves, and showing them how to get out. And so that's the difference between you can you can escape. There's a lot. I've met other guys that have said, "Oh man, I used to be addicted to that, and and yeah, I just don't anymore." And as you know, then I would sit there and want to punch them in the throat. I'm like, "What do you mean? So how did I mean? So you just stopped? Well, I couldn't do that, but I would be frustrated when I would hear that. And so now, um, you know, I, I look at it like, yeah, there are a lot of people that have gotten free, and and I could just say, yeah, you know, I'm. I used to do that. I don't do that anymore and have that be my story. But, but I decided, and that's where the whole context of free indeed comes in of to be offensive and to go back into that slave territory and show people how to get free. So all of that from Kirk comes from a deep place of spending time in that verse, in that place in the Bible. And that's definitely something I want to end our time together with. And that is find a verse. And he mentioned a few of them, Galatians five, one, uh, Romans twelve two, uh, obviously John eight thirty six. Something that really resonates with you. Spend time with it, and let it sink into you. That's what the word should do. Um, and the word should dig deep into our souls if we let it. And I believe it can. The Bible says that it's alive and active. It's not just a stagnant word on a page like any other piece of literature. God moves in and out from it. So with that, 
we will finish up today's podcast. And I appreciate that Kirk was with me today and I was with him and we have each other. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Free Indeed podcast. Visit freeindeed36.com for more resources with deeper information and upcoming events. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. 